Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yo, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, March 21st, 2022. I'm one of your host, Blessing Adelia Jr. Joining me is the LaCroix Poppy himself, a.k.a. My fellow Forbes 30 under 30, a.k.a. Tim Ma fucking Gettys. Bless, what a Monday this is about to be. It's GDC week, and that means usually not many crazy game announcements, but they're like, not this year, boys. We're going hard on a Monday. God, yeah, right? Like, as I was going through the news this morning, adding, uh, adding stuff together for KFGD, it was one of those days where I was like, all right, cool. It looks like, you know, Fortnite, Fortnite removes building. That's going to be the headlines. going to be great. Then all of a sudden... You know, PlayStation acquires a studio. I'm like, oh, damn. All right, hell yeah, we got a fire news day. And then all of a sudden, another big game announced. Witcher 4, maybe, seemingly, the sequel to, the sequel to Witcher 3 is announced. Tim, it's going to be a wild news day. But before we get to it, are you excited for this week? I don't know, like, what is your relationship with GDC? Because this is I, my first GDC that I'm going to participate in. I'm excited for you. I think that it is it is definitely more up your alley than it is mine. Uh, just like the the type of vibe of the whole thing and uh, the type of people that that go and hang out there and like the just it's the the type of networking it's not my type of vibe it's way more mm-hmm. on the games industry dev side which has never been my groups of people i have always been more on the like, know, entertainment side i you know what i didn't want to say it i didn't want to no, fuck around it. with you i'm just fucking around <laughs> with you no real talk though it's just like i feel like gdc has always been a weird one for me where in terms of conventions i like I like press conferences. You know, I like announcements. Mm-hmm. I don't really care too much about the the deep dive looks and the things. And, you know, working at IGN for as long as I did, I have just a lot of negative uh, associations with GDC of just like lugging work. around camera equipment. And yeah, it was like, it was more bullshit work than a lot of the other conventions. And because I'm from San Francisco, it didn't have that same party vibe mm-hmm. of like, we're on vacation. Let's go hang out with everyone. It's more like, oh man, I need to, I need to go downtown. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't 1000% feel that. And it's funny. Cause like, you know, when I first started working kind of funny, 2020 was going to be my first GDC and it got canceled because of the pandemic, but it was one that Greg hit me up for. And he was like, Hey, we're going to get you going to GDC. You know, I, I, I'd heard about GDC from listening to podcasts and like seeing people going to it on Twitter, but it was never something that I had, you know, I, I never identified it as a, Oh, this is an event that I got to go to. That's going to be a party. And it's going to be fun and all these things. Cause I'm somebody who's, I've gone to a, a million PAXs, right? I always loved PAX. I lived in Seattle and so PAX West was right there, but I also traveled to Boston for PAX East. And then I went to Austin for, for RTX, right? And I went to, I came to SF for kind of funny live. And that is what I associated with like big get togethers, big conventions, yep. big events. And that was always hype and exciting for me. And I knew that GDC wasn't that, right? GDC was more so of a, hey, game developers come together, they go to panels, they like uh, learn more about the craft, they network, they do all these things. And it, and it's funny because you uh, you identify me as like, it, this is more my crowd. And like, I feel like it's interesting because like, it is like it, it became my crowd over the last two years, I feel like as totally. I've yeah. somehow like I've made more friends that are game developers, right? And maybe this is like a younger side of the media sort of thing right I, like i look at my timeline now and half my timeline is going to gdc because i follow so many people in the industry now and i'm like you know this year i'm like oh shit 
I'm hyped to go to GDC. Whereas two years ago, I was kind of like, all right, yeah, I'm going because Greg tells me to go. But now I'm like, yeah, I'm excited. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, very no, excited to attend panels, you know, walk the show floor, do all that good stuff at GDC. It's going to be great for you. I will say uh, uh, that there is one panel that I'm going to recommend you to go to. I'll, I'll send it to you mm. later, but let's continue the show. So much to talk about. Hell yeah. So much to talk about. So enough about GDC, Tim. Tim, let's talk about today's stories, which include PlayStation buys Haven Studios. The next Witcher game has been announced and Fortnite removes building because this is Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday at 10 a.m. live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. If you're watching live, you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily remember you can use epic creator code kind of funny on all epic store and epic in-game purchases like rocket league and fortnite to help support the channel to be a part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you our ghostwire tokyo review is up right now uh greg and mike have played it and i'm there just to ask them all about their experience uh that's up right now as a kind of funny games cast over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games and on podcast services around the globe that is one of the ones that greg kept uh, mentioning last week is one of the surprise review episodes dropping this week you got one more games cast coming to you later this week but you'll learn about that when it drops uh, i love that there's there's a reddit thread right now uh on our our the kind of funny subreddit that's predicting what they think the um, reviews the two reviews are gonna be Hell and it's yeah. funny how like sure some people are and i'm like i don't know if you're right like, about mm, that maybe yeah. you are maybe you are, maybe you are. but hey, I, what i can't piece. say is, that's the excitement of it yeah some people in the thread are definitely wrong that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> hell yeah and we're gonna talk a little bit more about ghostwire tokyo later in the show because of course we got a review roundup again another one that, that might have made headline if it wasn't if it wasn't such a crazy news day but i digress uh thank you to our patreon producers gordon mcguire fargo brady and pranksy today we're brought to you by cuts clothing lumen skin and honey but we'll tell you about that later for now let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper report it's time for some news we got eight stories today a baker's dozen starting with our number one tim playstation has bought haven studios i'm pulling from christopher dring at gamesindustry.biz playstation has agreed to fully acquire haven studios the development team led by assassin's creed star wars and google games veteran jade raymond it follows Sony's initial investment in the studio in March last year. Ever since, the team has been working on an exclusive new IP for PlayStation, which has now been revealed as a live service experience built upon a systemic and evolving world, which we'll come back to in a second. Post-acquisition, the studio will continue to be run by the current management team in close collaboration with PlayStation. Haven Studios currently boasts over 60 employees and is the 18th developer to join PlayStation Studios. Quote, Haven Studios is an emerging studio with an exceptional team of talent, and we're delighted to welcome them into PlayStation as our first development studio in Canada, said Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan. He continues, quote, the studio's focus on creating an original AAA multiplayer game will not only flex the power of the PlayStation 5, but will further expand upon the diverse catalog of gaming experiences that can only be found on PlayStation, end quote. Tim, there's not a lot more that I'm going to get into here. Uh, of course, there's an additional article from GamesIndustry.biz, because like it, it's, it, it's interesting, right? The last few big acquisitions that Sony has made, they've gone specifically to GamesIndustry.biz to do exclusive interviews. And so I'm going to hop into one of those exclusive in interviews in a second, but Tim, I'm going to stop here and ask you, where's your head at with this acquisition? What does this tell you? 
I'm I'm interested in it, and I I'm excited. Me and you specifically, I feel like the last couple of years have been on a lot of stories for um, some of the more interesting moves PlayStation has has made. Like not the big oh they're getting Insomniacs, which were uh, kind of inevitable, but also um, like more high profile. Whereas we've been seeing kind of these moves into the VR side of things, right, and into the the multiplayer side of things to kind of expand their repertoire of what playstation studios offerings can mean so this is interesting to me because this is them continuing to double down on wanting a live service multiplayer experience that is the focus not just uh what everyone associates with uh playstation studios bangers of the third person third person action adventure narrative games right um which they at this point have on lock and it's you know not just one or two we're at the point that there's three four five of those franchises um that we are kind of expecting a certain level of quality from and a certain type of experience from and not that they're all the same thing but they are are all variations on a theme i think it's interesting that they're here like trying to secure the bag in a different way when it comes to getting uh, a different audience that they have invested in over the last 10 years over the the ps4's generation through the use mainly of third-party titles like call of duty right like kind of really owning into the uh the um partnerships with uh third-party uh developers to own the multiplayer side of call of duty for Mm. so long of where are people playing with their friends it was the xbox 360 and then it became the playstation 4 in this new era that we're in as xbox has kind of become just an ecosystem as opposed to people really talking about the series x versus playstation 5 it's more just xbox versus playstation 5 um what what is playstation going to do to kind of counteract so many of the moves that xbox has been making but i think even more interesting is not looking at it as a them versus them but more looking at it as a playstation trying to be like well clearly there are tons and tons of gamers out there that are looking for these kind of live multiplayer experiences uh what are we going to do for them that can potentially hit the quality levels that our playstation studios first or third person action adventure titles have done Mm -hmm. for the last generation yeah yeah and i think that's very interesting the fact that they're expanding in such a specific way right and i i think it is in contrast to what we see xbox doing which is you know xbox is bought bethesda xbox is bought activision blizzard right like xbox is blowing up in terms of buying studios buying publishers and expanding the catalog of ips to the point where it is a yeah dude we are you know we're going hard in 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 um building up mindshare right and taking mindshare away right we're gonna and not not necessarily that they're gonna take call of duty away from playstation but you're seeing them own activision you're seeing them own bethesda in ways that they can kind of one profit off of those games but then also place the pieces and and control those studios as they want to right playstation is operating operating more like a scalpel where it is like hey how do we grow smartly all right we've worked with housemark housemark has put out returnal returnal was a big success for us let's buy housemark because we uh, we know that we partner well insomniac has put out games for us over the years insomniac put out spider-man right and spider-man was a big hit one of the fastest selling first party playstation games i think it's time we put a ring on it and actually acquire the studio haven is an interesting one because haven is a studio that is new right they're a studio that has not put out a, a a not even put out a game for playstation they've not put out a game period right and like there's trust there because it's jade raymond and it's a group of veteran developers so you assume that they have the stuff but they're still in the process of proving that they have the stuff as Haven Studio, which I think puts them in an interesting place for, uh, in terms of acquisition for PlayStation. 
Yeah. I mean, it's it's so interesting to look at Jade Raymond and her history, look going back to the Assassin's Creed and all that stuff, but then to look most recently to Stadia, right? And being there and her being such a, a prominent part of the marketing of Stadia and their pitch of their vision of what that was they were striving to become um and they were like yeah she she has a studio and the, so there's going to be first party google titles and all this stuff and then obviously that ended up not happening but that was an investment in a vision right and they were trying to like put their uh flagpole down of like look hey we are in this game too we can compete we can bring exclusives that matter and because of those exclusives as well as all the other uh third party like kind of mass offerings you can get on google stadia Flash forward a couple of years, obviously we know how that all shook out. But what is interesting now is PlayStation doesn't need to prove any of that. They already have all of that. They already have mm. the built-in um, user base, the core gamers that are going to be there, the system that, that works, and it does work, right? So now to look at this indie studio and to believe in them because of Jade Raymond, because of the team that they have, and to, before they have even put out a game, invest in them and understand that their first game is going to be a PlayStation Studios title. That I think is setting them up for success in a way that we don't often see with um, a lot of these independent studios. And I, I feel like this is a unique situation that is probably best case scenario for whatever this game is going to end up being um, because it sounds like this is the game that they want to make. And it also fits the strategy that PlayStation has. I, if I had to bet, that's the kind of chicken and egg thing that happens, which is there was a pitch somewhere along the line and PlayStation's like, yo, we're looking for this type of game. They're like, yo, we're trying to make this type of game. And they're yeah. like, to to go with what you're saying, let's put a ring on it now. Like, this makes sense. We believe in it. All uh, the visions are aligned. And I think that, that they have what Google Stadia didn't, which is just the the core base of it works yeah like the, the establishment right like it being mm -hmm. playstation it being this thing of hey we have a strategy and we know what we're doing right it comes back to again to the scalpel thing of uh them playstation eyeing specific studios right like not not necessarily trying to buy everybody but looking at what works for the strategy of what they want to be and right now what playstation wants to be and what they want to expand specifically is that live service multiplayer market and again like they describe their game as a live service experience built upon a systemic and evolving world what that to me that sounds like a destiny right to me that sounds like a mmo that sounds like a world of warcraft style thing and for a playstation that just bought bungie right and is buying bungie not only to have destiny not only ha to have the new ip that they're working on they're buying bungie to help um figure out that like multiplayer live service um foundation that they want for playstation studios that they likely want to standardize for the other other studios right like we talk about the 10 the 10 live service games that they talk about uh, uh having planned for the future and you can kind of put the puzzle pieces together in terms of, okay, yeah, like you got Bungie, surely like that Bungie is going to be involved in that in terms of one of those live service games. Like you have a bunch of your big studios hiring for multiplayer, right? Like we went through it on PS Love You, Gorilla, um, uh, Sucker Punch, right? Like Insomniac is even hiring for multiplayer. And so much of this is a mystery and so much of it might not come to fruition. You know, so much of it might just be ideation and them going, hey, let's just figure shit out. Let's see if we want to make a multiplayer game. If not, then not. But if so, let's see if we can fall into the strategy uh, and seeing what works, right? This seems like it falls into that strategy. And again, like this is one of those acquisitions that I think at face value, it brings up a lot of questions. Because again, I come back to Housemark, I come back to Insomniac, I come back to the studios that have worked closely with PlayStation and you go, okay, that makes sense. But then again, we come back to Haven and we're like, 
okay, this is different from those. But, you know, thankfully, uh, uh, Chris String over at GamesIndustry.biz has us and is asking the same questions. And before I even get into it, right, I want to bring in a question from Patreon.com slash games from Ryan Paola Higgins, who writes this. Hello, KFGD crew. Today, PlayStation announced the purchase of Haven Studios. Is the fact that the studio is based in Montreal more of a big deal rather than the actual purchase? This is PlayStation's first Canadian studio in the Silicon Valley, Valley of Games, Montreal. Thanks, Ryan. I bring this question in now because it does flow perfectly into Chris Ring's next write-up, which is his interview uh, with Jade Raymond and Herman Holst. Uh, I recommend go to go to GameStudio.biz, give them the actual click and read the full article because it is a long article, so I'm not going to read the, through, the, through the full thing. I'm only going to read through the bits that I think are very important for this new story. So it reads like this. Sony announced its partnership with Haven a little over a year ago. The developer may be full of established faces who are responsible for hit games such as Assassin's Creed, but it's still a new studio. It's still growing. It's not even announced the PS5 game it's working on, let alone released it. So why do the deal now? Quote, you're right. We could have just carried on in the capacity of them being an external development partner, acknowledges PlayStation Studios head Herman Holst. Herman continues, quote, but what Haven has created is so exciting for us. There was just a desire to deepen, to deepen that relationship. We have been very impressed with how Haven is coming together. It's just easier for us to invest in, in the team and game more deeply this way. It is a testament to the fact that we've been very impressed with the progress that Haven has made. They're actually exceeding a lot of the plans, including in terms of time, which very rarely happens in game development, let me tell you. So we thought, let's invest deeply and do this properly, end quote. This is uh, Chris String again from uh, GameStream.biz. Uh, the fact that the game is coming along strongly is certainly one very good reason to sign up the Haven team. But the acquisition will also give PlayStation something it's never had, a developer in Canada. Canada is one of the biggest producers of AAA games in the world. Most major game, game companies have, presented, or have a presence in the country, including Activision Blizzard, EA, Microsoft, Nintendo, Sega, Square Enix, Tencent, Take-Two, and Ubisoft. It's actually a surprise to realize that PlayStation wasn't among them. Quote, I've already seen the caliber of people that Haven has, has been able to attract. We are finally in Canada. We're finally in Quebec, and we've hit the ground running with a team that's deeply embedded in the area. As you know, we've always been heavily represented on the east coast of the U.S., in Tokyo, in the U.K., in Amsterdam, and now in Helsinki with Housemark. So it's great to be able to tap into the pools of creative talent in different parts of the world, end quote. And that's something that I think many people wouldn't think about in terms of buying a new studio, right? The fact that, like, as PlayStation, every other big AAA publisher has presence in Canada. And what that means is that for a pool of developers that are located there that may not want to uh, uh, relocate, right, to, to, to other countries, that is a big tool, uh, pool of talent that you might be missing out on. And it makes sense that hey, if you have a big studio that you're working with in Canada and you're able to acquire that studio, that then means you have access to all this talent and are able to comp produce the highest levels of AAA games still now in a new area. Yeah, for sure. One thing that's weird here is them saying that they're heavily represented on the East Coast of the US. And I'm maybe having a brain fart right now, but I can't think of like the West Coast for sure because they got San Santa Monica, San, yeah, Diego, San Diego, and Bend. Oh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I mean, what, is, what is the PlayStation, PlayStation deal located in the East Coast? I don't know. Maybe he meant West Coast. But anyways, um, going back to the the other thing that I think is interesting here is them saying. Uh, or Herman saying they've actually exceeded a lot of the plans, including in terms of time, which very rarely happens in game development. So that's it's cool, and then that's what uh, led them to invest deeply in and do the do it properly is what he's saying, and I love that because it is in a era where 
you know, the where crunch is a conversation every day as it should be to figure all this stuff out, like figuring out the right way forward from the very beginning of like, how, how can we come up with kind of milestones that make sense for these teams that we're investing in? Like, it sounds like from the top level where they're at a place where there is manageable understanding of where the game needs to be and where it's at. And I'm sure that reading between the lines here, this is her and be like, Hey, we're investing in this. And, you know, I think Montreal even has with it being the Silicon Valley of games. And we've heard about that for so many years now, as we've seen uh, so many indie developers come out of there, but on top of that, so many bigger triple a guys kind of start to, to pop in and expand over there. Um, I, I think that we're in a, a new era of game development that some of these more positive uh, things that we we've been needing to see some climate change with when it comes to the shift um, in, in workplace environments. Yeah. I think that th- that counts as important things that they're looking at. And I think that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the answer is, I think this is one of the cases where the simple answer is probably the truest one, which is, haven studios is working on a game that playstation identifies as oh this looks like a banger let's bring him on right and like i think that 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 speaks to how uh, herman holst here in the interview was talking and also like it being a live service game i think it makes sense also from the from the the place of hey you're going to be invested in this game in a while right like this is a game that you're partnering on haven studios it as a live service game you can see it lasting right like years right three years five years ten years if it goes amazingly and in that case working with them from the ground up and being with them on the journey, you know, in a way that is way more intimate than partnership, right? In that in 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 that acquisition place, I think makes sense in terms of, hey, we're in this for the long for the long run. Let's just bring you in so that way it is easier for us to work with you and for you to work with the other studios that are also doing similar things, right? Like let's build that level of connection and communication between you and Bungie and Insomniac and whoever else you need to talk to. And so I think this all lines up, you know, this is and when we talk about acquisition, like oftentimes I get anxious about what acquisition means for the industry. This is one that I don't get anxious with. This is one that I think does make sense for how how they're growing and also for Haven being this, again, new studio that just came up last year, right, just established last year. It is Jade Raymond. It is, quote unquote, AAA. And it is in a space that is hard to operate, right? Like video games are hard to make. Oftentimes, third-party AAA, uh, uh, AAA games are very hard to make, and having the security of being under a PlayStation in that case, I think, makes sense, and it's gonna it's it's gonna lead to Haven Studios not putting out a flop and then falling away because they couldn't afford it, right? Like play, they they have PlayStation to fall back on in this case, and so I think this is a best-case scenario for both both um, uh, organizations. Yeah, for sure. It's it's. It's great. I, I'm very hopeful for it. I think that PlayStation's leaning into uh, this this multiplayer future is going to be a tumultuous journey uh, as we look back at where we're at even now. Of just like they don't really have too many uh, too much evidence that that's positive, especially as we're looking right now with all the Grand Turismo Seven stuff going on, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't necessarily think is. Uh, true in, in the decadent of like where they're at overall but it's not a great step forward right For but sure. then on the other side we'll have to keep our eyes on returnals co-op right like how well does it run how how uh, investing is it all and because that's the type of stuff where if that works i can see them applying it to a ton of other games in their catalog and i think that they're building up a infrastructure for multiplayer and for vr that you can imagine 10 years from now anytime playstation studios has a hit which they've 
proven they can create time and time again, mm-hmm. we are going to get the single player version, a multiplayer version, and a VR version, whatever those things are, right? And that could be a very yeah. cool kind of triple threat. Um, I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the Nintendo approach, but not the N- Nintendo approach, but it's the approach of, hey, we have an IP. What are the different ways you can use this IP to make it work, mm-hmm. right? And for Nintendo, it is, all right, Mario is popping. Let's get Mario single player, right, in the form of Mario Odyssey or a single player. I guess this is the same Mario Odyssey, right? Let's get Mario multiplayer in the form of a Mario Kart or Mario Party, right? Like, what are the different ways we can use this IP to expand it? And for PlayStation, it is, all right, we have Ghost of Tsushima. We have Ghost of Tsushima multiplayer. And now we have a Ghost of Tsushima tv property that's been announced right what if we get a point about ghost vr right like mm-hmm. horizon is horizon forbidden west horizon call of the mountain and now and like i wouldn't be surprised if we get a horizon movie or tv show announced right like that is how they're operating now and it's something to keep an eye on it's something that i think we're going to continue to talk about um and i'm sure we'll talk about this more on ps love you and this is a big news day i could talk about this this with you tim all day but yep. we got other big news to talk about like story number two which was breaking very close to the uh, uh the time we went live with the show and so i don't have the full details actually no i do have the full details here because finally polygon did finish the story uh the the next witcher game is in development i am pulling from samit sakar or samit sarkar at polygon who again as i was pulling the story it was still developing so it was like three paragraphs long i'm refreshing and it looks like the story is still developing but it's finishing up here and so i'm going to start at the top where he writes The next entry in The Witcher, the role-playing game series adapted from novels and short stories by Anders Edge Sapkowski, is currently in development at CD Projekt Red, the studio announced on Monday. CD Projekt Red did not provide any information on platforms on a release window, but did release a teaser image for the game that may eventually be known as The Witcher 4. A Witcher medallion with glowing red eyes, partially covered by a field of snow, with the tagline, A New Saga Begins. In addition, CD Projekt Red said uh, that instead of its in-house Red Engine, the studio is switching to Unreal Engine 5 for the follow-up to 2015's The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. The move comes as part of a multi-year strategic partnership with Epic Games. The marker of the Unreal Engine, CD Projekt Red said in a news release. That doesn't mean that publisher CD Projekt will sell the next Witcher game exclusively via the Epic Game Store. The company is, is, quote, not planning on making the game exclusive to one storefront, end quote. It said in a Twitter reply from the Witcher franchise's official account. Instead, CD Projekt Red's partnership with Epic Games, uh, quote, covers not only licensing, but technical development of Unreal Engine 5, as well as potential future versions of Unreal Engine where relevant, according to the news release. In addition, developers from Polish Studio, uh, from the Polish Studio, will work with Epic to quote help tailor the the engine for open world experiences. End quote. And I'm gonna stop there. Tim, a new Witcher game. I don't think surprises us by any means. I do think the big tidbit here that for me I find interesting is Unreal Engine Five. I think that's the exciting the, the exciting thing about this because we've seen like the the uh, trailers right and the marketing stuff for Unreal Engine Five and that looks like it's going to be off the chain. Mind blowing, yeah. I mean, I'm just so excited that we are moving over to to Unreal Engine Five and we're going to start seeing some of that in the next couple of years. I think that we're still a ways away, but I mean, yeah, a new game from the the studio that brought me my favorite bomber jacket of all time. Like, really excited about yeah. that. Uh, but jokes aside, I I think that the um, the this is exciting for a couple of reasons obviously this is just uh announcement of an announcement of an announcement of an announcement type thing where it's just like cool when the hell is this game going to be real with the title and the trailer and a date and all that stuff like i think we're a ways away from that um and it's one of those weird kind of catch-22 things where it's like we all knew another witcher was coming but until they officially announced it it technically wasn't 
you know For sure, so yeah. so now it's like okay cool we know there's going to be another witcher game i know the cd project red is in a, a really like not great spot right now uh and it, it's so crazy to see like where they're at compared to where they were after wild hunt right um but they're trying to pick up the pieces and you know i think that there are a lot of eyes on on the next witcher and i i think that there's enough people that will give it a shot that i don't think it's going to affect uh the the, the cyberpunk debacle um is going to necessarily like hurt them as much yeah, as i i think it, 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 it could have um but this is again the most interesting thing is the the engine and i think that unreal engine 5 the strategic partnership with epic we're going to start seeing a lot more of that uh, these strategic partnerships and in this uh, era of acquisition after acquisition i think that it is also wise to kind of look at the other options and partnerships are a great way to to kind of like handle that and do that so it's kind of a best of both worlds get the benefits of others and help each other but not necessarily be tied into um everything being owned by the the same person you know yeah exactly and i think you know i i said this in a previous episode last week about um bioware bethesda and um cd project red and specifically i was talking about bethesda because the conversation was about starfield right that like starfield i'm excited for and i'm still curious about because starfield is coming from a, from a Bethesda that I feel like has something to prove, right? Because Bethesda, again, is in that category of big Western RPG developer that is top tier when you're talking about what they did with Fallout and what they did with, with Elder Scrolls, right? And like how people regard them. But they, they, then they had a misstep of Fallout 76 and you go, damn, but does Bethesda still have, this, have the stuff, right? Even Fallout 4, even though I love Fallout 4, I don't think Fallout 4 hit people the same way that Skyrim or Fallout 3 or some of the previous Bethesda games did, right? And so Starfield is leaning into a Bethesda that, you know, has something to prove and i would say the same thing about cd project red in terms of witcher 4 coming off of cyberpunk 2077 that removes the idea of the cd project red magic right the same way that we talk about the bioware magic the big magic that these big AAA rpg developers think they have because they put out the most popular game at the time and then they're like cool we can rest on our laurels we got the stuff they put out the next game and they don't have the stuff right damn that is such a good point when you think about it where it's like that's we're three for three for those right yep. when it comes to cg project red bioware, BioWare. And, bethesda. and bethesda yeah and those were those are the big three right the big western rpg developers that like put out the bangers that people identify as these are the bit like the best open world open world rpgs you know of all time right like and they fell off, right? Like they, but, they put out the, those games that, that, that yeah. um, messed the that thing up. Though, the thing about Bethesda is I think you're right that I, I feel it might be a little too early to count them out um, because I think that they've just acted a little bit differently than uh, the other two where Fallout 76 was very much not the follow-up like it of is course. not the 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 one for one that's more of like the 808s and heartbreak compared to the rest of the albums, you know, where it's like, hey, we're going to do something different and it didn't work. Uh, but the... Um, starfield i think is going to be kind of like the the real do they got the stuff or not because fallout 4 wasn't fallout 3 but it also wasn't a failure you it know? wasn't bad by any means good had good reviews had, had performed well in terms of sales right i think for the most part people loved it but it, it like when i when i think about when was the last bethesda classic from bethesda game studios i think we're talking skyrim right and that is 11 years ago right like bethesda hasn't put out a skyrim since 2011 and i think whatever they put out next right starfield might have to and not necessarily that it has to live up to that 
but it has to be a banger. It has to be something that people identify as special and not janky and all these things. And, you know, I think CD Projekt Red, again, they're in, I think they're in a similar place where this is kind of make, make or break, right? Like, was, was uh, Cyberpunk a fluke because you guys thought you had something and you didn't? Or is this just you now? Are you still able to put out something The Witcher 3 quality? And I think Witcher 3, again, I, I think this engine change is a good sign because I think that is them identifying that, hey, we wanted to make something that was technically impressive, that was, you know, overscoped, you know, doing so much and we had so many promises for it. But with what we had, we just couldn't make that happen. And so them going, let's lean off of our in-house engine and lean onto something that is established that works and just focus on making the game. I think that is in itself a good sign. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. do just want to uh, address the chat real quick. I fucking love 808s. I was just saying that it was different compared to the other things. I, when I was saying that like it didn't work mm. out, I was talking about um, Fallout 76. So, wanted on the record, I fucking love 808s. Also, the uh, the end all does make a good point here. And, uh, that um, They did put out Skyrim multiple times since 2011. Yes, exactly. Which, uh, yeah, yes, yeah they good have. point. They have put out Skyrim many times. And then, and with that too, I do think it's interesting that uh, Witcher is announcing another game and obviously it's going to be very, very far out, but we still don't have next gen with Witcher, correct? No, we don't. I think that's supposed to come this year though. Yeah, because like, so Cyberpunk is now out next mm -hmm. gen, so they've done that. Will we get multiplayer? Will we get all that other stuff? I'm not so sure. Uh, but they they will be doing uh, Witcher 3 as uh, a next-gen title. So mm -hmm. eventually that'll happen. You've got to imagine that's this year. At least that's the goal. Um, yeah. I think that's even like what they're they're saying is happening. So yes. um, then we'll kind of go from there. But it's it we're in a whole new era, man, of these ports and re-releases. But it is funny that the, the different RPGs we're talking about here, all those studios have kind of similar... Pat, yeah. when it comes to these giant and like Bioware titles. has announced I forget if I added it as a new story because uh, there was a thing floating around today but like Bi Bioware is working on Mass Effect and they are working on Dragon Age and they have those announced like all of them had turned around to announce their next thing right and even um Bethesda has has uh the next Elder Scrolls announced right and it is I think it's, it's that thing of hey we're coming off a dud let's reassure people that like hey what you want is coming right and this is kind of CD Projekt Red doing that as well right where it's like hey let's reassure you what you want is coming. My question is, right, like outside of the conversation of how uh, Cyberpunk did and like, you know, Engine, all that stuff. My question is, when Witcher 4 finally gets here, what, it, like, what is it, right? Because, of course, like it's going to be a sequel to Witcher 3. You're going to have a lot of those same mechanics, the same world, um, uh, like quest systems, all that stuff, right? But does Witcher, the, what's that? Bathtubs. Bath, oh, yeah, of course, you got to have a bathtub with the two feet sticking out. Uh, does Witcher 4 have learnings from other open world games that have come out since then you know because we're talking about a world post red Dead redemption 2 a world post breath of the wild a world post elden ring mm -hmm. do you see witcher 4 come out and take influences from any of those games yeah they have to and i think that that's the interesting place that we're at it's like look skyrim right skyrim is the game skyrim revolutionized what an open world rpg is and can be but it didn't start there Right. Look back at the the previous games. Right. Like uh, Oblivion, Morrowind, all of those, but specifically Oblivion being like such a, a phenomenon and like such an introduction to console gamers for what this RPG world can be. Right. For a franchise that and a, a genre that was so traditionally PC based to make that jump over. Like I remember uh, my my Xbox friends um, during the 360 era just being blown away uh, by what or was it 360. Yeah, it was um, for what uh, Oblivion brought to the table. And yeah. then Skyrim just kind of like was that moment of like, I mean, honestly, 
Skyrim was kind of the Elden Ring moment, right? For uh, Elder Scrolls, where people have heard and praised these games for forever, but all of a sudden it now has this breakout mega seller hit that it, it went mainstream. It's the big mm-hmm. moment, right? And so having that, it's so hard to follow that up uh, with with another hit on that same level. And I, at some point, I don't think that that even should be the goal necessarily, because like that is that level of ambition can potentially lead to a cyberpunk, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I also think it's that level of ambition that can create new experiences that make us talk about things uh, that way. That honestly. We could probably count on two hands the amount of times it's happened in video game history that yeah. something's come along and been that impactful, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see, right? Just because, like, Witcher, of course, Witcher is a different type of open world uh, RPG than an Elden Ring or Breath of the Wild, right? So I don't expect I don't expect Witcher to take the left turn into becoming that, but I do think there are learnings, right? In the way that you have Horizon Forbidden West come out and it has um uh, you have a glider now is aloy right and you have those climbable surfaces and like again it's not one for one with breath of the wild but i do think there's a little bit of influence there that you see that you see them take and go all right what if you had what if we took you know one or two things to kind of enhance our open world right i would love a witcher where it is hey you go on your quest you take your contract to to go hunt down a beast and you are exploring the <clears throat> exploring the world and having those you know out of nowhere man a bo- like a boss comes through and you're and you're in a fight now right or you have better combat mechanics because i was like one of my few critiques with witcher 3 right like i'd love to i i i'm very curious in, in uh about what witcher 4 is going to bring to the to the table and i'm like i'm excited for it even though at this point i'm sure it's what four years away at least at the very least it's gonna be at least 2026 but tim speaking of video game engines let's hop into story number three unity is releasing a new tech called Enemies. This is Jay Peters at The Verge. And Kevin, I have a video in the document, if uh, if you can pull it up for people, showing off what this engine looks like. Uh, Unity is releasing an impressive new tech demo called Enemies that demonstrates what the popular game development engine can be capable of. The video opens in an ornate and stunningly realistic room before zooming in on a mysterious woman sitting in front of a chessboard. The woman, woman is rendered in remarkable detail. Her hair shifts in subtle ways as she moves her head. Uh, her eyes look around the room and then at a chess bishop in a surprisingly natural way. And the final close-up shot of her face looks almost as if it's one of an actual human being. Enemies expands on the work done for The Heretic, which featured Unity's first realistic digital human. Improvements include a better 4D pipeline, skin attachment system on the GPU to allow for high-density meshes, uh, for example, peach fuzz, more realistic eyes with caustics on the iris, a new skin shader, and then uh, tension tech for blood flow simulation and wrinkle maps, eliminating the need for a racial or for a facial rig uh, for fine details. Tim, you're the one that actually added this uh, to the KFGD Slack this morning, and I wanted to get this in here specifically for you because like this looks like some Tim Getty's ass shit. Yo, dude, are you kidding me? This looks incredible. Like I showed Gia this this morning, and she didn't like. It wasn't until afterwards I was like, yeah, this is a tech demo for. Uh, video game graphics engine she thought she was real <laughs> it's like look at this the level oh, of detail God. on the skin you can't i mean i showed her on my phone oh, but like kev what do you what do you what's you look at this and you're not you don't i'm not super impressed that this this reminds me of what the that's insane <laughs> i mean but this looks I, like i stuff think it was a real already... person when it was zoomed out when it's zoomed in i'm like okay no this is digital but from zoomed out i was like that is a real video I mean, I, I just feel like we've seen a lot of stuff like this very recently with like Unreal Engine Five and and stuff like that. But uh, I, I mean, like I could, I can kind of see how like in the future we're gonna look at this and be like, can't believe we were impressed by that. 
I don't know about that. Mm. That skin texture is insane. I've never the seen something like that. Looks great. Looks great. Yeah. Yeah. So like right just... here, right here, I was convinced. I was like, this is there's well, no I way mean, this but is not like, live this action. This looks this looks not good to me. Like the focus seems wrong on her. Like the background is in focus mm. and not her. But it reminds me of like when we see real people in front of a green screen. Like it has that effect. It does as have to, like, yeah, the yeah, actual yeah. model. Can you go uh, go to where they're zoomed in a yeah. bit more? Because I but do I mean, think this is all impressive. Here, it, it, this, to me, her skin looks really weird here as it's zooming in. But, like, yeah, when they're up nice and close, it's like, yeah, man, that looks like real, real skin. Yeah. This is this is insane yeah. to me. I'm just so excited that there are now multiple of these engines kind of coming forward mm -hmm. and, like, just bringing their best stuff and, and you know, given that level of competition, given the options out there. I was talking earlier about the, the partnerships. Like, I think that that's going to be a, a huge thing going forward with uh, – as we as development just gets bigger and bigger and needs more and more help and, and more and more resources and it's exciting to see what epic's been doing with unreal um in in so many different ways both the engine but then also just the the amounts of like stock options that they they allow people uh for assets right and asset mm. creation and kind of um collaboration between all that stuff and you know um over here with unity like they've been killing the game for generations as well when it comes to this stuff so kind of like pushing it all forward i think is is really really great and interesting to see as big AAA developers both um first party and third party start to look at the different ones and make their choices for whatever reason to leave an engine for a new engine like with what we we're just talking about of witcher making the switch over to unreal 5 like i wonder who's going to make the switch over to unity or stay with mm -hmm. unity or whatever it is but um i'm excited to start seeing the stuff make its way into games because i am frequently blown away by loading up uh, a game on ps5 or xbox series x and just being like how the hell is this where video games are at like the yeah. little tiny things are just so ridiculously high quality and, and honestly it, the, there's the more thing to go the thing i'm excited about is like to see what small developers are able to do with these engines that are making it easier to do things on an incredible level right where the the my the thing that blew me away about the unreal demo that we got um a few months ago with uh, uh the matrix is the fact that you know, me and Andy did the preview where we talked to some folks from from Unreal and they broke it down for us. And the thing that blew my mind was the fact that they showed how some of the tools worked. And it is easy for pretty much like any small developer to go in and create an open world city. And like, that's fucking insane, right? Like when you think back to the developers that make that like were able to do that in the past, right? You're talking about like Rockstar putting out GTA 3 and us being blown away. But like today, an indie developer could do the same thing, right? With, with the tools that these engines are giving them. And, you know, that that applies to making a city, that applies to like character creation, that applies to the amount of detail you're able to put in uh, because of the way things are animated and because how, of, of um, the ease of use that these engines are making it for uh, uh, indie developers to like put in that level of simulated detail, right? Like it is insane to me. And Unity is, a, is an engine that I usually associate with more of the indie space. I feel like you don't see it as much in like big AAA development um, and like, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what comes out of that because I think that's gonna be hype. But Tim, you know, mm -hmm. you know what else is hype? You know what else is unreal? The benefits you get over on Patreon.com/slash Kind of Funny Games, where you can go and get the show ad free. And speaking of ads, 
Let us tell you about our sponsors. Every day you gotta get up, worry about work, worry about your family, worry about when you're playing games. It's too much. So remove the stress for shopping for clothes with Cuts Clothing. Cuts Clothing has perfected the art and science of men's shirts. So now you can throw on one look and look great without ever having to think about it. Plus Cuts has all the essentials for looking sharp like tees, hoodies, polos, and more. So you can stop bouncing between brands and shopping for different shirts. Tim Gettys loves Cuts. He went online, found the blues he loved, and then had them shipped to his door so he can go get haircuts and stare at electronics knowing he looks great. Cuts has totally revolutionized the traditional outdated t-shirt category. They make it easy to mix and match styles and colors so you can find the perfect style. They even developed their own fabric that's soft as hell and guaranteed not to pill or shrink. Join hundreds of thousands of guys who have made the simple decision to elevate their wardrobe with Cuts. Get 15% off your first order by going to CutsClothing.com slash kindoffunny. That's C-U-T-S Clothing.com slash kindoffunny for 15 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. All right, guys, let's talk about skincare. If your skincare routine is basically you washing your face in the shower with that one shower gel you've been using since high school, then it's time to level up your skincare game. But thanks to Lumen, you can drop that bottle of three-in-one and start using products that actually take care of your skin. All their products aim to help with those stubborn acne scars, under-eye dark circles, wrinkles, sun damage, dry skin, oily skin, and more. Uh, starting with Lumen is easy. All you have to do is take their two-minute quiz on their website, and they'll tell you exactly what routine is best for you based on your skincare needs. Plus, all their products are made using only natural ingredients that actually work. Guys, I swear, skincare shouldn't be that complicated thing we dread doing, and thanks to Lumen, it's simple. It takes you less than 90 seconds of your day. It's easy, and you'll have skin as smooth as Kevin Coelho's shaved cheeks. Level up your skincare game with Lumen Skin today. Go to lumenskin.com slash kindoffunny to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's l-u-m-i-n skin.com slash kindoffunny to get your free trial of Lumen's products. That's Lumen Skin this of course is one of my favorite sponsors of all time it's honey ladies and gentlemen when you're shopping online it's easy to save money on your iphone or computer honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites when you check out the honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons wait a few seconds as honey searches for coupons it can find for that site and if honey finds a working coupon you'll watch your prices drop here's ladies and gentlemen where i go and i boop i hit pause on the end because i use honey all the time this is my google chrome and right there is the honey button you install it there you can use it on your iphone too but it's great it saves you money and then if you're logged into it accrues honey coins that you can then spend on gift cards and stuff all the time but then yes yes yesterday i was buying some mizzou stuff off the internet guess what there it is i don't even think about it honey just pops up a little dancing coin he's like you want me to save you some money and i'm like yes you do if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out and by getting it you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show I'd never recommend something I don't use. So get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kinda. That's joinhoney.com slash Next news story. Story number four. Kevin, this is not a drill. Fortnite has removed building. This is from Jordan Midler at Video Games Chronicle. Fortnite has removed building from its default mode for nine days to mark the start of the new season. Fortnite's new season, Resistance, which brings with it a new battle pass filled with new skins such as Marvel's Doctor Strange, will remove the crucial mechanic for a short time. A new loading screen that launched with the, with the season reads, quote, all battle, no building. Quote, building has been wiped out. It's up to the Resistance to get it back. Jump in with your squad and help the seven uncover the imagined order's nefarious plan. End quote. Tim, what can you tell me about the seven? <laughs> <laughs> the seven. Oh, from uh, from the boys. It's great mm-hmm. stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the imagined orders. Are they imagined dragons like cousins? 
Like, what's going on here? There's so many fucking things. Raul's a part of this, though. That's exciting. Yeah, to me. I saw that. I, 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 I swear he's, to God, every time I see origin, a new screenshot of him, he's the origin. Yeah, that's his name. Is he related to the foundation? Um, brothers. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I don't know if you're joking or not. I don't uh, either. Well, I don't follow the lore. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that there's lore just blows me away. While yeah. building will be removed from the default uh, game mode, it won't be affected in competitive modes, nor will it impact creative mode, which allows players to create their own maps and game types. In order to compensate for the change, players will now have an overshield on top of their health and regular shield. Pretty Movement rad. has also... Uh, what was that, Kevin? I said it's pretty rad. You get 50 extra shield that just That's regenerates. dope as hell. Movement has also received a large change with default movement speed in the game being increased and a new faster sprint also being implemented, which I love because I never feel like I'm going fast enough in Fortnite. Uh, mantling has also been added to the game uh, as well as being able to open doors while moving using a shoulder, a new shoulder bash, which again, like those are all welcome improvements. Anytime I'm playing a battle royale and they don't have mounting or uh, not mounting, mantling, uh, they don't have mantling. I'm like, what are we doing here? You know, let me just climb over a fence. Bro, it feels it feels really different in like a really fun way. It feels faster. Um, yeah. Also, there's no building, which is dope. Because as you know, me and Joe, we don't build. We don't build. Mm. We only build ramps. And now that with mantling, like once you understand the mechanics of mantling and running, it, it it's a lot of fun. And it just feels quicker. You should give it a try, man. So you, you've been playing the new update then? Oh, yeah, yeah. We played last night for several hours. Until Heck yeah. Is it... Because here's here's my thing, right? I read through all this and I'm like, this sounds fantastic. Make it permanent. Like, let me just let me just do this for a while, or make it the season at least. Like, yeah, because I think I'm... this this is one that like as I as they announced this and as I was going through Twitter and the timeline, there are so many people that are like, oh, I'm gonna hop back back into Fortnite just for this because I think there's a large contingent of people that, I feel like that stay away from Fortnite season. because they're scared of building. I I think that like that's the easiest excuse, but I think every season people are like. Oh, I'm gonna go back and give it a try, and for the first like couple of weeks, it's really populated and it's awesome. Um, I hope this keeps people in. I it's kind of a bummer that it's like oh nine days, and it's like all right, cool. Well, I mean, we really cool if you just kept it like this for a while. You know? Yeah, just make it the season. The whole and season. also, I'm down. I'm 100 down to hopping with you, Kevin. This Thanks. sounds amazing. Uh, I kind of want to just record myself talking about what I think of whatever new change Fortnite's doing and like just leave one little bit that's like blank for whatever it is and then just fill in the gaps of like no building for that <laughs> and because like it's always the same thoughts which is a very positive thing i absolutely love the force that Fortnite is in the industry and i love that they are not just not afraid to change things up but commit to change things up and create these moments that kevin's talking about of like hey let's do something that's kind of cool and different to try to get people back or to give people that never left something new to do and like to engage with on top of all these ip collaborations and all the stuff that is just inherently cool that people are going to want to jump in for mm -hmm. and just to keep kind of rewarding people that play the game and keep trying to get new people interested and having seasons and having like all this different stuff that you you know there was vehicles before i don't know if they're still vehicles but i'm sure that they, they 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 learned some things that worked and didn't work and over time have like brought elements back so i think that they this is a test bed right this is the way for them to kind of beta test features and uh the way that the game plays that who knows if building will be in the game at all in a couple of years i imagine it will be but it might be dramatically changed and shifted so that joey and kevin aren't like ah, i don't want to build they're like oh i like this way of building you know it's like mm. it's just cool that yeah. there's this game that can exist and, and change and shift not just with the industry but shift the industry 
Tim, speaking of Fortnite, story number five, Epic is donating two weeks of Fortnite proceeds to Ukraine relief. This is Andrew Webster at The Verge. A new season of Fortnite is launching today, and developer Epic will be donating all of its proceeds from the first two weeks to Ukraine-related humanitarian efforts. The action will last from March 20th through April 3rd, and will include all real money purchases in the game, which means purchased V-Bucks, subscriptions, gifted battle passes, and certain cosmetic packs. As part of the effort, uh, Microsoft will also be committing their net proceeds for Fortnite during this time so, so that we can get more aid to the people of Ukraine. Funds will be donated to a few different organizations, which will include Direct Relief, the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, the United, United Nations Children's Fund, uh, and the World, World Food Program. The developer says that it will add more supported organizations in the coming weeks. Which is awesome, right? I think this is one, this is another one where it's like, dude, video games are bigger than video games. Like, video games have the power to do amazing things. Dude, and this goes back to what I was saying earlier about like the partnerships and all this stuff, where it's like they're these companies are beginning to care more and more about things that matter, and we are still a long way from that being a totally good thing. But Fortnite is launching a new season that is exciting as hell and about to get a ton of people back for the first time, reinvigorate people that never left, all that stuff that we literally just said. And all of the money in the first two weeks yep. is going to go to amazing efforts. Like that is for the, one of the biggest games in the world, definitely one of the most money generating games in the world in terms of popping off an event and hey, how exciting is the the first two weeks of of playing yeah. and, and, and like incentivizing people to pay for things. Their like, most lucrative period of the game, right? Like at yeah. the start of the new season, that is when they're making the most money. And that's when they're deciding that for those two weeks, all that money is going to uh, these charity organizations. Like that is incredible. They could have done it where it was, where it was like, nah, man, let's do the final two weeks of the season, right? And like, nobody would have batted an eye. <laughs> nobody would have like complained about that. People would have been like, all right, cool. The fact that they're doing it now and the fact that they're, yeah, it is going to be a hundred percent of the proceeds uh, for two weeks. That is a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that is fantastic. I'm all for it. It is, man. And again, they're, they're creating these situations that um, they are allowed to do because Epic has control of so many functions and factors of the pipeline. And because of that, they're allowed to do this type of thing in a way that a lot of other people aren't. And again, with great power comes great responsibility. But this is the type of shit I love to see. Hell yeah. Story number six, Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, we got in a, a review roundup. I don't know why I wrote it. I wrote it weird in the document. But Ghostwire Tokyo has a review roundup uh, right now sitting at a 75 on Metacritic and then a 76 on OpenCritic. Uh, I'm going to start off with Cam Shea at IGN who gave it a 7 out of 10 and says, I enjoyed my 20 or so hours with Ghostwire Tokyo largely because I found its world so immersive. The attention to detail in the city itself is hugely impressive, whether it's looking to recreate the surroundings of the best known crossings in the world or bringing life to a dank back alley this is an environment i love being in and all the more so because of the many touchstones to iconic elements of japanese culture and mythology if the moment-to-moment -moment gameplay in particular it's one-dimensional combat and uninteresting mission design weren't such a disappointment ghostwire tokyo could have truly captivated me as it stands the merely adequate stealth and action do little to, to add to the fantastic setting but they don't diminish its brilliance either and then uh, Emojin Meller at PC Gamer gave it a 72 out of 100 and says, uh, has fun combat in a sophisticated city burdened with the unfulfilled potential of a far scarier experience. Then Greg Miller at Kind of Funny gave it an okay rating. That is a three out of five. And Kevin, if you're able to pull up the TikTok so we can play uh, 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 Greg's thoughts for us here. There you go. Go ahead and press play. Hmm. It's muted. This first person jaunt through. 
Ghostwire Tokyo is just okay. While this first person jaunt through Tokyo oozes style in neon, few things in the 10 and a half hours it took me to roll credits wowed me. The combat is visually stunning but shallow. The map is packed with activities, but they're not all that interesting. There's verticality to the world, but it feels stiff. Bosses are grotesque, but the battles themselves aren't engaging. Ghostwire Tokyo is an open world game, so there's definitely serotonin and satisfaction in clearing Tory gates to remove the fog of war and finding one of the 25 hidden tanukis, but you'll find all of this is rinse and repeat as Don't you battle the faceless enemies again and again and Did again. It offer to is it bad? No. Feeling the dual sense intensely rumble in your hands as you rip the core out of a vanquished foe is fun, but Ghostwire Tokyo doesn't iterate on its ideas, so the ninth hour of talking to a sparkly blue ghost with a simple fetch quest is a lot like the first. I have a full review up now as a kind of funny games cast, but in short, Ghostwire Tokyo is just okay. Well, this Gotta, love the, loop, really, yeah. Gotta love the loop. Gotta love the loop. Great. Uh, of course, our games cast is available right now. If you want to hear the full thoughts, right again, it's it's a uh, uh, Snowback Mike and Greg who've played and beaten the game, and I'm I'm there to ask questions and um, give feedback. But like, it is it is a game that one I wish was better, but also like it's a game that I want to come back around and play maybe later in the year. Listening to the, their thoughts on it and now seeing the uh, Metacritic score and the other reviews on it, it seems like a game that is not necessary for me to play right now. Uh, right, I might wait for it to eventually come to Game Pass and like wait for that um, uh, the, talk, the talk to come come back up again around it so I can play it then. But like with how many games are coming out right now, Tim, you know we're talking about the three out of five games. You're swimming in threes, right? Like. Right now, my swimming in three game is Final Fantasy Origin: Stranger of Paradise, and I'm having a blast with that game. Uh, and so, like, I'm sure there's gonna be plenty of people that are like, Ghostwire Tokyo is gonna be that for me. Uh, and for that, you know, like, I'd say go get him, right? Like, uh, uh, go have fun with Ghostwire Tokyo. But it seems like a game that for me doesn't necessarily seem like it's gonna be one for everybody to play. Yeah, for sure. Do you, what was Mike's kind of? Uh, did he give a number on it? Yeah, Mike was also floating at an okay. It seemed like I, I got the vibe that Mike maybe enjoyed it a little bit more than Greg, specifically for the side stuff and the side missions. I think Mike was a, bit, a little bit more glowing on that. But it was that it was the consensus that, yeah, it seemed like a, a strong three out of five from both Mike and Greg. So there you go. Story number seven, Netflix has announced a Tekken anime. This is Ollie Welsh at Polygon. Uh, and Kevin, I have a trailer that you can just play in the background as I'm reading through the news story. Netflix has announced a new anime series based on the Tekken fighting games and released a teaser trailer for the show. The series, Tekken Bloodline, will focus on the character of Jin Kazama and launch in 2022. Netflix posted the trailer to its YouTube channel with the following blurb. Quote, power is everything. Jin Kazama learned the family self-defense arts, Kazama style, uh, traditional martial arts from, from, for some reason, Kazama style makes me laugh. It, yeah, it is, it is funny it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, right? Kazama style, traditional martial arts uh, from his mother at an early age. Even so, he was powerless when a mon monstrous evil suddenly appeared, destroying everything dear to him, changing his life forever. Angry at himself for uh, being unable to stop it, Jin vowed revenge and sought absolute power to, ex to exact it. His quest will lead to the ultimate battle on the global stage, the King of Iron Fist Tournament, end quote. Based on this snippet and what we can see from the trailer, the series seems to stick pretty closely to established Tekken lore. Jin trains with his mother, sees off some bullies, but eventually has to flee an attack from the giant ogre. He then sees his grandfather Heiachi Mishima uh, for further training. Uh, we also see brief glimpses of other iconic Tekken characters, including Paul Phoenix, Kazuya Mishima, and King. Tim, this looks hype as fuck. I'm actually very excited about this. Yeah, it's interesting because it, it's more of like the 3D CGI anime but it's like made to look like it's 2d animation and it doesn't look horrible most of the time i really don't like that style but this looks this looks more convincingly like 
uh, old school classic anime than uh, a lot of the, the 3D stuff normally does. So that's cool. But I, nothing about this trailer is really speaking to me. Like, it doesn't really make me want to watch it. Um, I it, enjoy Tekken a lot, but like, you know, Tekken peaked for me with Tekken 3 back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and since then, I, I definitely have not cared much about the lore uh to the point that i'd want to watch an anime but i know you are way more into to tekken is this something that you're like day one i'm watching it yeah oh 1000 percent. and i think partly that is partly for i've not really gone i've not gone too deep into tekken lore right like i understand the relationships between the characters and i played like some of the tekken uh stories in the games but like you know tekken the tekken for ps3 that wasn't tekken tag tournament 2 right like i played through that story and that story seems so separate from everything else going on in the world and then tekken 7 had some more stuff that was focused on the uh, the mishima family right specifically heiachi and um akuma from street fighter for some reason and like i enjoy that stuff i think that stuff is fun but i feel like i've never had a good jumping in point to actually experiencing the lore from tekken in like this kind of serialized nature and i like the idea that they're doing it this way because like i think different fighting games find their different ways of exposing you to the lore and mortal Kombat, i feel like is the most like hey this is a story game that you're playing right like mortal Kombat has a story mode that has cutscenes, that has character interactions that has dialogue and all these things that are engaging and fun to have right like tekken tekken stories like tekken 7 i was kind of like in and out of it and there's not really a good like here's from front to back a good like synopsis of the Tekken lore you where you're getting the story of Jin and his relationship with Kazi and all these guys right I well, think this is gonna be a good example of that I feel like Tekken 1 through 4 I think had stories where it's like you would take the characters and at the end they would like accomplish something and grow yeah but there yeah, was yeah there was it's one like the standard one, fighting game endings right right but there yeah. was one golden path okay, that would continue through the games if you played like it was like i, I can't remember like i know that te- with tekken 3 was Jin, and then that moved to hayachi in, in tekken 4 but like there mm-hmm. was i think a golden path of not golden path but like a path that the canon. story was taking yeah exactly one of the endings were canon but the difference is kev i don't know if you yeah. played the modern well, yeah, Mortal combat st- games uh-huh. it's yeah. it's like it's, you're playing a story where like you're jumping perspectives from character to character and it's like the fights are contextualized to yeah, the yeah, cutscenes. Yeah, to the like, story. It's very, very yeah, 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 yeah. yeah which like, is so cool. Which is so dope, right? Because fighting games historically has been, you have the endings and like people put together like what the story is, right? There's yeah. like a canon story, but usually you're reading that online. I feel like people, yep, most of the people that 100%. are playing the games aren't getting that, and you're talking to friends, and the, the, your friends or the internet are the ones that break it down for you. Of oh, this is the story of whatever fighting game. Um, but I like that they're doing an anime because that's going to be a fun, I think it's just going to be a fun thing to watch, especially if you're into the video games. And I saw a uh, chat, tell me the name of, of him. He was one of the DLC characters, dope looking dude from Brooklyn. I saw that he was in the trailer too. And I want to see how he factors into the story. <laughs> that's the other thing is that Tekken oh, has like some Eddie's re- trainer. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if he right? was Eddie's with trainer. With the white hair? With the white with hair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Leroy. Ezekiel. I thought he was Eddie's trainer. No. I mean, maybe. Uh, Kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. Let us know. But yeah, Leroy Smith, right? Like, Tekken has some ridiculous-ass characters, and I want to see how they come together, right? Like, get the panda in here. Let's get the panda! Get the panda in here. Uh, Let's round out the Rover Report with story number eight. We in DSI shop channels have been down. This is Zach Zweizen at IG... uh, Not IGN. Zach Zweizen at Kotaku. Uh, Bad news for anyone trying to re-download some old DSI or Wii titles via each 
each console's uh, respective store channels. Currently, players report that both channels are down and have been down for a few days now. Many are now concerned that the channels may not return, possibly locking away a lot of digital content that people owned and didn't have a chance to download before the possible surprise shutdown. As spotted by Eurogamer, it appears that since March 16th, the official Nintendo DSi and Wii Shop channels have been offline. If the shutdown is permanent and these stories never return, then they seem to have been closed with no advanced warning from Nintendo. To be clear, you haven't been able to buy anything from the Wii Shop channel since 2019, and the DSi shop stopped letting you buy content before that in 2017. The possible premature and unnotified closure uh, or closing of these stores is a big deal for many. If these digital shops close for good, you'll be able, you'll be unable to re-download any content you've previously purchased from them. Many players would probably like a few months to download and install some of their favorite or hard-to-find DSi and Wii exclusives before the door is closed on the servers forever. Uh, Tim, do you think this is this is like a fluke? Do you think this is a permanent kind of thing? Like, what's your read on what's happening here? WND, baby. We're Nintendo decisions. I, I don't think it's a fluke. I think this is like a decision that they made. Uh, but will they retract it? Maybe, maybe not. You know, we saw kind of PlayStation see the 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 light uh, outlash uh when it came oh, to yeah. the whole uh, Vita situation, and they're like, all right, cool, let's let's go back and like um give people some time. I can see them doing it, but again, equally I can see them not doing it. Um, I think that this is uh, a continuation of the story of just video game preservation, like being aware of all of it and it seems to not matter as much to nintendo as it does to um other groups so that is unfortunate and i guarantee that jared petty is very sad yes. about this news uh on a personal level <laughs> yeah this is a bummer uh for me i i i hope they see the light it's nintendo and so i don't have the hope that they will because nintendo is pretty like they're set in their ways um but if this is true right if it's not coming back if these channels if these stores are just down forever and people aren't able to re-download their games they might want to keep forever that is such a bummer and that's such like that's honestly an asshole thing to do with no warning right like even for nintendo it's like give people a week give people some time to know that they have to download their games um, or else they won't be able to play them forever um but it's one to keep an eye on tim i can't wait to see if nintendo lets us re-download some of our favorite Wii and DSi mm, games, but mm. that is probably just so far away. If I wanted it was coming, to, coming out to mom and grab shops today, where would I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform is listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got Etora for PC. And that's it. But we do have some new dates for you. Uh, Sniper Elite 5 is launching on May 26th uh, and will be available day one on Xbox Game Pass. And then Godfall Ultimate Edition is coming to Xbox One. Sorry. What was that? What do you mean? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Roger in the chat just got me. He just got me. Oh, okay. I heard, I heard what sounded like... I heard a weird sound is all I'm going to say. And I didn't know if that was <laughs> purposeful or not. Uh, Godfall I Ultimate I Elite. I laughed. I laughed. That was me laughing. Oh, you laughed? Okay, that's what that was. Godfall Ultimate Edition is coming to Xbox One and Xbox Series X on April 7th. Now it's time for kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where you write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those watching later on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames and on podcast services around the globe. Boards and Zero Zero writes in to say, Insomniac has a North Carolina office. So maybe that's what he meant by East Coast, but I assume that he meant West Coast because like, Insomniac also has a West Coast office. I feel like the most PlayStation is like West Coast. Side. West um, Coast. And then Calamity, great, you're wrong. Uh, Andre is pronounced like Andre. The J is almost silent. The J is always silent in Polish. Uh, in Sapkowski, the W is pronounced like a V. So Sapkowski. Yeah, We're nice. learning today. I love that. Thank you so we much for here. that. We out here. We out here. 
And then an update on Fortnite's Ukraine donations. They've raised $36 million in a day, which is incredible. Hell yeah. Thank you so much for that. Uh, of course, it's Monday, so let me tell you about the rest of this week's hosts. Uh, this week's hosts go like this. Tuesday, you're getting Greg, Greg and Gary. Wednesday, you're getting Andy and Greg. Thursday, you're getting Greg and Tim. Then on Friday, you're getting Greg and me. If you're watching this live on Twitch right now, after this is Mike and Nick with a kind of funny morning show, so get hyped for that. If you want to catch that stream later, you can, of course, subscribe to YouTube.com slash kind of funny plays. Remember this has been kind of funny games daily each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games and say that again kevin i was saying definitely fortnite too you know what i mean definitely some fortnite Fortnite. they're gonna play some fortnite because you got that new season no building oh they're gonna go crazy they're gonna get wild in that stream you ready kevin yeah yeah of course that's happening on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games and also we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about right here on kind of funny games daily we have a patreon post show for those that are subbed at the server level of patreon.com slash kind of funny games so stick around for that otherwise until next time Game Daily.